What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar. Welcome to the 45th episode. So, beginning of season two, I'm super stoked about this. Um, today's guest we have on Seth from Seth Bike Hacks. How's it going, Seth? Very good. Right on, man. So here we are. We actually got it to work. Everything's going. I mean, this is this is a, a rare form for the the biker live streams because usually there's something right out the gate that's just screwing up. <laughs> so um, basically, what I want to do though is just right before we get started, I want to thank everybody for showing up. This this is uh this is the the beginning of the second season. So this is something that'll be going on every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard, except for when it's not. So if you want to find out when it is and when it's not, then make sure that you're subscribed to the channel. Uh, that This is a new channel, so it used to be part of my biker channel, but recently I decided it'd probably be best if I separate them out. So before we get started, I did, did want to have a, a, a small short conversation with you guys about two, two different companies that decided uh, to go ahead and help out with, with things. Um, first of all, I have a company that I'm sure most of you guys have heard of. Uh, what, have, you ever, have you ever heard of uh, Tasco MTV, Seth? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, I got a whole bunch of Tasco stuff. You know what? Their stuff is is been dialed. I was thinking about it today. Like, what am I going to say about Tasco? And and I have probably I don't know three or four sets of their gloves and their socks. And I was thinking about it. I've been riding those for almost two years, and they're all still in good shape. I mean, so granted, I'm switching between gloves and socks. They're not like my only pair. But man, that's that's a that's a pretty good good run. You know. You know what I love about Tasco is that anytime there's a uh, bike festival or something that's like the party booth like it's sedona yeah. it was raining like crazy last year yeah. and they had a fire going in there to keep people warm they had like hot coffee and stuff and everybody was like crowded in their booths they're just like genuinely good time good people yeah no they nate nate does a good job of getting people together especially at those events and i agree it's sedona sea otter is the same way they always have a good group of people there the one thing that i did want to mention though was today I, I I tried out a new product of theirs. They just re released a pair of shorts. And the company shorts that I've been wearing for years now, they um, the ones that I, I had before was a model they stopped making. And whenever those finally wore out, I, I bought four new pairs of new ones. And I have this like no butt problem. So the new pair of shorts that I saw just kept like kind of falling down, like everybody's seeing my butt crack the whole time we're riding, not fun, right? So Tasco brought out this new pair of shorts and he's like, Hey, you want to try them out? And I was like, you know what? I definitely want to try them out. Cause even though I just bought all these shorts, I'm, I'm not really stoked with what's going on. So today I tried out these shorts and they're super comfortable, man. I'm totally impressed with it. They got this little pocket on the side. The scout shorts. Yeah. Yeah. They got this. Yeah, little I, ha I haven't tried them yet. I have a set. I told like I got them probably a couple weeks ago. And I just haven't put them on yet because I wanted to like really capture it, you know. And uh, and and I decided, you know what, today I'm gonna I'm, they're they're sponsoring the podcast, so I have to give them out, put put them on, and see what they actually feel like. I've been impressed. They had this little pocket on the side for the phone where he's like, "Oh yeah, it's a little phone pocket." And when he first told me about, it, I was like, "Whatever, dude, I don't care." And uh, I put my phone in there just to try it because I usually carry it just in the front pocket. And uh, no, it's dialed. The, both the, the side pockets have zippers on it. Super comfortable. It has two buttons on the like on the waist, where the other pair of shorts that I have has two button or one button and kind of like Velcro around it. 
and it just like if I pull the the straps on the side tight enough to, that they wouldn't like be falling off my butt, then the the little button on the front would pop open. It's just like was a headache. And these shorts have been great all day. So thanks to Tasco for sponsoring this this episode, and thanks for these shorts as well. They they I'm definitely uh, hitting it up, getting some more. The other the other um, company that that is sponsoring us is Project Three Two One, and I want to mention them. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with them? I, I haven't heard of them. So they're a small company. They started in in um, down in Fresno, California. And whenever I I first got back into mountain biking, I was riding a Cannondale. It had a Lefty Hub, and they were like one of the few companies that made Lefty Hubs, but like in colors. You know what I mean? So it was like. Then they had that, and at the time they were using um, i9s internals, so it was like you could get this i9 hub essentially for like half the price. And since then, they've moved up to Ben because I think Jake likes the beer up there better. And uh, and they they also have brought out their own internals on their hub, so they use magnets, and it's um, so the poles don't wear out as well as quickly, and you don't have a problem with a broken spring, and. Um, They've been rock solid hubs. I actually was a customer for probably 10 years before we got to a point where they're now sponsoring the, the podcast. So if you ever Very get a cool. chance, yeah, yeah. I, they're, they're, they're a smaller company. And you'll, you'll, oh, that's one thing too. I wanted to mention, I'll throw this little banner up here real quick. They, uh, they also extended a 10% discount to anybody watching this. So if you go to project three, two, one, you want to pick up some, some hubs right there. Biker baller. He didn't spell it with a one though. So Biker bar bowler. I like the uh, code. <laughs> right. So, uh, and so basically if you want to go there, save yourself some money, go for it. And uh, I, I definitely am, can't have, ha don't have enough good things to say about, or don't have enough, don't have bad things to say. That's what I'm trying to say. Getting well, that's always good. Here, right. <laughs> so anyways, let's get on here with, with, with what we're here for, man, is to just sit down and have a chat and, talk about what's up with Seth's, Seth's bike hacks. So one of the things when I first started watching your channel that I related to, I don't know if you like put these videos out somewhere, but there was like videos of you and your buddies, like in the park, like riding bike and stuff like that. BMX back in the day. Was it like yeah, some kind of Instagram I stuff? that in a few of my older videos. Yeah. And when I saw that, I just completely re like related with you because I grew up, riding BMX and what we would do is like, you know, whatever day of the week was trash day. It was like the best day of the week. Cause you could like jump over all the trash cans and you could do kickouts on all the recycling bins and everybody in the neighborhood hated you. And we would just like ride around town and be like, Hey, five miles on that side of town, there's this little booter that jumps out into the road and your friends got to stand out there. Right in the street. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, right in the street. Yeah. Of so course. it was like, when I saw that stuff, I was like, man, I really related with you. And I think you're from, you're from the Northeast as well, right? Yeah. New York. So you're from New York. Uh, so from New York. So I, so I grew up on long Island and yeah, BMX street riding is, you know, it's a thing there. Like it is anywhere else in any suburban right. area. I think especially how old are you? 34. I had to think about it for a minute. Right? I had to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trick question. So I think, you know, generally are kind of in our age range. I'm, I'm, I'm 42, so I'm not too much older than you, but BMX was still like a big major part of, of being a kid. I don't know how, how much of a influence it has now compared to when we were that in that age range. Like, 
I remember seeing the movie Rad when I was a kid, and it was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. Have you ever yeah, seen that movie? Yeah, so Rad was a little before my generation. I was pretty yeah. much born around the time that movie was released. Right. So, but I, you know, of course, I've seen it. Yeah. And of course, it gets people excited. But I was riding BMX in the kind of the height of the props era, uh -huh. those props videos. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember those? What was, can you explain it to me? So it was just, um, it's like slasher videos, but for BMX, you know, uh -huh. it's like every sport has their media outlets and magazines and things like that. And props videos, I forgot how often they came out, but it would just be a whole bunch of pros just hitting different things and just kind of um, aggregated into one video. And you go to the bike shop and they'd have the props video playing and your friend, yeah. maybe they had the DVD or the, the VHS even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, sure. I was from that era. From props videos were what got me excited. Yeah. So, um, what was your first bike? My first bike ever was probably a tricycle. And then, yeah. uh, <laughs> what was the first bike that you that you like look back on? You're like, man, that was that was awesome. The one that I really look back on that was awesome was my giant commotion. So uh -huh. it was a mountain bike. It was. I guess probably 24 inch wheels now that I think about it. So mm -hmm. it was bigger. I thought those wheels were huge, right? You know, because I had probably a 16 or something before that. So they were 24 inch wheels and it was a six speed gear, you know, derailleur. Uh -huh. um, and that was it. It was full rigid. That was pretty much all a kid was going to get back in, the, in those days. Uh, if there were suspension forks, there were, there were definitely suspension forks in the early nineties, but yeah. not on kids bikes as far as yeah, I know. Definitely not. Cause I remember my first like legit mountain bike was 93 or 94. It was a giant and that, and the whole giant line at that time was all rigid. Like the most oh, expensive yeah. one you could get was a thousand bucks. And it was a couple years, like a year or two after I remember like the, the rock shocks came out and it was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. You can get a suspension fork. But I mean, the price of it was like, it sounds silly now. It was like 400 bucks, but like, <laughs> you know, like everybody back then was like, that's insane. I'm not paying for that for a fork. Well, there's you also know? inflation, right? Early nineties. I was like 800 bucks. Yeah, yeah. But now that's like, it's kind of what you pay for a fork. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And we have $3,000 forks now. Right, exactly. I remember it's, this uh, dude showed up in our group because I was like this young kid that was like hanging out with a bunch of guys in their mid-30s riding riding mountain bikes. So my mom was dating this guy that was into it. And uh, so I'd like BMX all day with my friends, you know, and do all that stuff. And then on the weekends, I'd go ride with these dudes. And this one dude showed up with a full suspension bike. And it was like, I don't know, 1500, 3000, maybe it was probably like 1500 bucks. I mean, everybody was just like, I can't believe look you like spent an that money. You know? Yeah. It was just <laughs> like that guy's, that guy's car was definitely not worth what that bike was. So, Same as now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you grew up in, in New York. What, what was like, like your whole childhood or. Yeah, I didn't I didn't move away till from New York until I think I was about 27 or so. Oh wow. So I lived most of my life there, little pockets of time other places, but yeah, grew up in New York on Long Island and when you grow up in New York, you're kind of raised to believe, I don't know if this is everybody, but I certainly was kind of 
I thought that New York was the center of the world and everywhere else just sucks. And that if you live there, you just wish you could be in New York. Right. But it turns out that's not the case. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of, <laughs> it's, I mean, um, coming from, you're in Northern California, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I live now. I grew up in York, Pennsylvania which was always confused with New York. Like I'd say York and they'd be like, oh, New York. No. Oh, just, New York, right. <laughs> like York, like the peppermint patty or the barbell. That's where Here's I'm how jaded people on Long Island are. So when you're on Long Island, so, so New York is separated. New York's a big state. So there's, yeah. there's Long Island, there's New York City. Then there's, there's all sorts of stuff outside of New York City, you know, downstate New York. And then there's upstate New York, you know, Rochester and Syracuse and all that stuff. There's a lot of cities in New York. Yeah, yeah, all the way up to like, what, Buffalo up there, right? When you're in Long Island, anything past Manhattan is upstate. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> oh, it's upstate because you left Long Island. And Long Island is like this much of New York and then yeah, there's all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if you left Long Island, you went upstate. And I remember yeah. saying that and somebody's like, dude, Yonkers is not upstate. <laughs> like it's like five minutes outside of New York City. I'm like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's upstate. It's New York State. They're like, dude, yeah, yeah the guys people, are just, like, you know, and just in general, terrible. just in general, back east, like people's like perception of how far things are away is like so different than where I live in California, where it's like an hour drive to San Francisco from where I live, and it's like, oh, that's not that far. But like back home, they're like, oh my god, I had to drive all the way across town. It's like three miles. You know what I mean? Right. It's, like <laughs> it's three miles, but it takes you half a day to get there. Like I remember, so I had a 45 minute commute to a job that I had in my twenties. And every morning I have to get up early and do that commute. Extremely stressful. Sometimes on the way home, because it was rush hour, take me an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And then I, I forgot why it was. I think I was visiting back home and I was like, Hey, I want to ride my bike to my old job. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it was a commute. Right, it was an right. hour and a half yeah, to yeah. get home. It was like 45 minutes to get there if I didn't hit some crazy traffic jam. Right. It was 15 miles. <laughs> That's like less than what you would do on a morning road ride. A morning road ride is like 30 or better, right? Yeah, so yeah, totally. It's, it was 15 miles and it would like take a huge, like a big part of my day was getting there and back. Yeah. And we're just, that was what we were used to, you know? Yeah, it's just crazy. You know, it's definitely, uh, I definitely look at things different now at the age that I'm at and kind of things that I went through. Like I, I decided at one point that I wanted to start commuting to work just so I could like be able to. Why would you want to do that? Beer. Well, basically, because I was like, man, I'm not getting any thinner and I do like drinking beer. So if I ride my bike to work, that's like a bunch of calories that I can burn. Then I can oh, bike more. commute to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Why wouldn't you want to do that? So I bought this single speed a couple of years ago and just started. And it's like a 15 miles, like one way. And fortunately, the job that I had at the time and even the job I have now has showers at the office. So it's like, it's pretty cool, man. You get to work in you know about an hour and it's not that bad, you know. When I was living in Fort Lauderdale, I, you know, I was working from home and I signed up for a co-working space, which mm -hmm. those weren't as popular at the time. Yeah, it was yeah. just becoming a thing, yeah, you know, like Regis and all yeah, that. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, I don't know what the other ones are called. But anyway, this place was called Access Space and it was really nice. And it was in downtown Fort Lauderdale and it was a five minute skateboard ride from my house. Mm -hmm. And so I would wake up. I would 
put on my work clothes and skateboard to the co-working space. And then I would work there all day. I would have my lunch break with everybody. And then when I was done working, I would go home and it helped me separate um, home from work. Like instead of working in the house. And I didn't really have that again until moving to Burn Peak because now the garage is detached. Mm -hmm. So I put on my shoes, I put on clothes, I come in the garage and I work, I edit. And it's like, when I'm done, I go back in the house. Yeah. I think, you know, probably a lot of people with what's going on in the country right now are like kind of facing that those issues, you know, I think you have to get into some kind of routine that's similar to if you're actually working in an office to like, just kind of mentally get yourself in the right space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm really lazy. So I'm like, I'm just going to go walk upstairs and do it. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, like my, I, I, I like, I can talk about how, how it should be and what you need to do, but I actually don't practice it very well at all. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what got you into biking, dude? Did your, like just your friends just cause of, you know, being a young kid and that was what was cool at the time or like your dad was into it or. I wouldn't say my dad was into it, but he definitely, if anything, my dad just took bikes for granted. It's like, of course you ride bikes everywhere. You know, he wasn't like into it. He didn't have the clothes. I don't think I owned a helmet until way down the line, but my dad grew up in Brooklyn. And so Mm -hmm. he rode his bike everywhere. Right. You know, when, when he had one, when it was, hadn't been stolen recently, but anyway, yeah, he rode his, (laughs) he rode his bike everywhere. And, uh, when I was really little, I think I learned to ride a two wheeler when I was three. Oh, right on. Wow. That's really young. He took me out one day and just, so what he would do is I probably even today training wheels have an oblong hole to mount to the axle. It's like a big oval. Yeah, so, so you can pull them up as the kid gets better. Right. So yeah. as I was riding it, he just kept moving them higher and higher every day until I was just like like early three years old, you know, and just zipping down the street and the wheels would just be off the ground. Yeah, so finally right. he took them off and we went for a couple of runs and I fell a couple of times. I got scraped up and then you know, my mom probably, my mom probably got pissed. I don't, I don't remember, but I was riding a two wheeler. And from yeah, then yeah. on, and it was funny because it was a tiny bike. It wasn't even a 16. Yeah. It was like a, what's the next wheel size after that? Like a 12 or something. Yeah. Probably a 12. This was a hilariously small bike and I was riding a two wheeler. So that balance was kind of burned into my memory at a yeah. really young age and so I've been riding bikes since. So after that bike was probably like, you know, a 16 or something yeah, like that, yeah, which yeah. was probably really big at the time for me. They got those little striders now, man. These kids are starting out like super It's a young. new day. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's they got cool. the, That was the smartest thing ever, the striders, because it's like you can just keep putting your foot down. And I see kids that are like, they're, they're toddlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're balanced. They're, they're, they, that, you know, has been burned into their memory. Yeah, no, and I think it's you know killing two birds with one stone. Like you're getting them on a bike, you're getting them out to do something. But when they're little, dude, you need to tire those little guys out, man. <laughs> so here, let's go walk around the block a few times. And, uh, oh yeah, burn that little guy in. <laughs> oh yeah, well right now with Oscar, we're doing that every night. We're like, let's just hike him to the bottom of Moonshangle and then sprint up, and he's got to like <laughs> kick up low and try to get after us. Else we'll never sleep. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's good stuff, man. How, what got what uh, what made you guys decide to get another dog? I mean, Amy's wanted to get a dog for years. I'm yeah. like, well, we already have the best dog in the world. Like, you know, why are we going to get another dog? And you can just say no every single day for 10 years. Yeah. Eventually. You say yes once and you have a dog. Yeah, that's weird. Like <laughs> overnight, right? Well, not not really because, you know, he's a Frenchie. We want to make yeah. sure we're getting him from somebody responsible and, and all that. And we do our research. So it took about a month and a half to get Oscar. But, but as soon as you say yes, dude, that trigger's been pulled, man. You know, oh, there's no way I'm like, you know what? I was thinking about it. Maybe, you know, we shouldn't get a dog. Yeah. So now it's just the, the main reason I love Oscar and drama almost as much as not having dogs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> it's an anchor that constant that just keeps you at the house. And if yeah. you go somewhere, you got to run home at a certain point to get to the dog. Now, yeah, yeah we're in a good situation because we don't really need to go anywhere and Amy stays home so she can always watch the pups. But mm -hmm. there are times when it's really like we went to Whistler. We took drama to Whistler. Yeah. yeah so, no, I remember you guys did that road trip too. You had him with you. That, that, I guess that was the trip, huh? Uh, you, no, like that was a different road trip. We take drama whenever we go anywhere, but yeah. the problem is you start looking for Airbnbs or hotels someplace mm -hmm. and then you're like, Oh, okay. This, this is nice. We have tons of options. And then you right. go to filter and then you click pet friendly and it's like, and you have nothing. <laughs> you just have to take, take what you can get. Yeah. We have a lab. We have a big old lab. We used to have a, 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 a small Jack Russell and she, um, she got pretty old and we had to put her down like, a, I think it's two years we were talking about it yesterday. Oh, that's terrible. And, yeah. You know, man, that really sucked. Like every other dog that I've had in my life, for whatever reason, like I never went through that process. So it was like, it was a dog at my parents' house or whatever. And it's like, I moved away. And then that happened while I was gone. You, you know what I mean? Like, right. it was like, like I had a, a, another lab younger in my, my life when I was with my, my ex-wife and whenever I moved, she kept the dog and then she ended up getting rid of it. And I was like, dude, I would have kept him if you would have told me you were getting rid of him. I don't so, understand the concept of getting rid of a dog. Yeah, she was amazing too because she like got rid of him and then got another dog like six months later. I was like, that's <laughs> that's what a lot of people who get rid of dogs do. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really impressed with that. But yeah, anyway, so that was the first time I like went through like like that actually like that process, you know. And and then sometimes like like you know, I don't know if it's just being a man or whatever. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna keep my shit together, man. I'm a, I'm a, this is good, you know. I'm like, I was trying to be really strong for Katie because like it was her dog. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if, 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 you know, Amy's dog, it was, um, was drums, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta be like, you know, solid and we're, we're you know, keep my head. Right. Together. Right. Man. As soon as, so I was like, you know, she, she was kind of getting like dementia and she, she, or not dementia. She was having like seizures and it got to a point where it was like, yeah, like, we, we can't do this. Like, I know you're holding on cause you don't want that to happen, but like, this is not right. Like, That's not fair. Yeah, you know what I mean. She's like, yeah. And so I was like, I'll I'll call, uh, and she's or she's like, okay, let's wait till tomorrow. And I was like, all right, okay. So in the morning, I was like, okay, I'm gonna call. And dude, I had my stuff together like I was rock solid until that lady answered the phone, and I went from like like being like all together to like I'm gonna bring my dog down. <laughs> Just it was it was pathetic, man. So. 
Well, they're your little buddies, you know, and they're, you know, they're the only ones that are always happy to see you. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I I can tell from like what what you guys, the way that your dogs and your videos and stuff, like you guys do a lot with your dog too. Like some people have dogs that are just like in their house or in their yard. Right. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just another possession. Yeah. Yeah. Like with her, like we would go down to the river and she'd like sit on her kayaks and we'd float down the river with her and, you know, all the road trips and all whatever, you know, it's like. So anyway, so now we got this big old lab and, and he's, he just turned four. So he's like labs, like in between like three and five is when they actually start being good dogs. And Katie's like, Oh, we should get him a friend. No, no. <laughs> you got a four year old lab. What is... Right. <laughs> yeah. I think when I got my, when I, we got Oscar, my dad was the most disappointed in me. He's like, why did you do that? Like, don't you want to go places? Like, oh, oh, you just you had such a good thing going. Like, how did you mess it up? You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, you like, yeah, That's I don't funny. know. I yeah, said yeah. yes. But yeah, but he's a drama's little buddy. They're yeah. both little buddies. They're, you know, trauma gets annoyed with them every once in a while. He's pretty high strung, but uh, right. we love him. Yeah, yeah. We love That's him. good stuff. Fortunately, Katie's parents have a, a ranch. And so if we're going somewhere, we can take him down there and he's just, just leave him out there with the cows and the yeah. Well, it's like you know, she says ranch, and I think you know, like it's one of those things where people that grow up on what was called a ranch, like all of a sudden they they, they forget like the rest of the world doesn't know what you're talking about. So right. like, I would have thought cows right away, but it's a pear ranch actually. So they do grow pears down on, on the delta. So it's just wait pears, pears, yeah. So apparently, most of the pears in the u.s come from california i thought that was a grove or an, an orchard or something i mean I maybe it's a yeah. it's probably a pear orchard but they call it a ranch i don't know why they call it a ranch. Oh, i guess that's i think that's also <laughs> like a west coast thing like in the east coast we don't call anything a ranch right <laughs> you know <laughs> probably that's probably what it is i don't know she told me she grew up on an island whenever I first met her and I was like in my head, like thinking like two palm trees and a little beach. I'm like, there's just rivers around this big piece of land that you're calling an Island. This is not like, yeah, a real, a real Island. There's like, like target Coles. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, man, maybe it's a California thing and I, I just don't get it. <laughs> Either way. So let's go back to back to New York City. So you're there like uh, what'd you do in high school? So didn't live in New York City. I lived in Long Island, which is a suburb outside of New York City. And it's sort of it's it's in a way one of the most geographically isolated places in the United States. Mm-hmm. In a way, because if you live on Long Island, if you want to go anywhere else, you basically have to go through New York City. You can go over the Throgs Neck Bridge and get to what us Long Islanders call upstate New York right. um, or Westchester or wherever. But it's pretty much if you live in eastern Long Island or even central Long Island, you have to go through the thick of it to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we don't. So you can right. look at trail forks and you can see, oh, I have a mountain bike trail 25 miles away. It's right over there in, in Connecticut, you know, in Connecticut and you jump in your car and you're there six hours later, you know, <laughs> cause you're just absolutely in just stop, just stop and go traffic, 
Vic yeah. uh, all the way over the Throg's neck. And um, so we don't go anywhere. So our entire world is in Long Island. And then we convince ourselves that it's the best place in the world. And you have this, you have with 15 miles from someplace else where there's a completely different accent. There's a completely different, just completely different vernacular. Yeah. You yeah, talk totally. to somebody from, even the South Shore of Long Island and the North Shore of Long Island, and they sound like two completely different people. Yeah, and that's like really close, really, really close. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there. I mean, where I'm from too, it's like York County compared to Lancaster County. Lancaster is what most people know of, like uh, the Amish people and stuff. They're all over there, and it's just definitely it's different. You know, I think it's because like, oh yeah, <laughs> like whenever that you know area was coming coming through time you know you had these pockets of of different foreigners that would live in different areas you know so like where i i grew up there's a lot of germans where i'm from but then like maybe right. right over in this other area there's a bunch of dutch people and then they ended up being what they call pennsylvania dutch which is like sort of german sort of dutch sort of like they had this like language that wasn't even like either one of those languages you know Sounds like Long Island. Right. <laughs> On Long Island, you have Jews and Italians. Yeah. And uh, people mistake me for an Italian when I'm, I'm actually a Jew. Oh, is that, <laughs> is that where your background was? I was going to ask you that, man. So so you got, guys got that. Did you grow up with that? You like did bar mitzvah and stuff like that? I didn't have a bar mitzvah. Uh, I'm not religious. My parents uh -huh. aren't that religious, but they're both Jews. So we're, you know, we have a gene pool that goes right. really far back. We're, uh, you know, um, we, we're, I guess we have a lot in common with Jews in some ways, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, I don't really, I guess I have a little bit of the nose, but, um, on Long Island, uh, there's synagogues everywhere. There's this, right, like right. I'm in North Carolina right now and there's churches everywhere. It's like, that was synagogues on Long Island right. and churches are kind of tucked away. The synagogues are the big fancy ones that are just out uh, out on the corner um, so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this i don't know yeah, why yeah. this came to me but so you're from this area in the north northeast i i, I kind of know where it came from in my head but it'd be a rabbit hole of me explain it to you um you got this thing for tacos on your channel right yeah kind of so was tacos a thing that you did whenever you were there in new york because i'll tell you right now when I moved to California, the only like Mexican food that I ever had in my life was from like Taco Bell or like the school made <laughs> tacos. Right. So like I first came out here, I ordered like two burritos and a taco at this Mexican restaurant. And my uncle was like, whoa, calm down. You know, like that's going to be a lot of food. Yeah. He's like maybe one burrito. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like in my mind, that was it. You know, like the six inch, you know, like two inches wide thing is a burrito, you know? So did you did you grow up with that like Mexican food there? Or? There's really good Mexican food in yeah, New York. Okay, see where I'm um, from, it's not and, that way, man. and then everything in between, El Salvadorian food. I mean, just amazing, yeah. amazing stuff. But the taco thing on my channel. I mean, look, who doesn't like tacos? I think right. I mentioned it once, and the response I got from the audience was like, they really <laughs> like tacos too. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> and so we kind of made a thing. I kept bringing it up, and and I do. Uh, at the time when I first started the channel, the 
trails that I rode most, there was a really good taco place on the way home on the service road. And yeah. I would go to it every single time. So I always associate tacos with bike riding. There but I'm not like obsessed with tacos or anything. I no, like okay. lots of different types of food. <laughs> For me growing up, like like uh, Italian food was a big part of-, of Oh, me too. And it's like back East, you know, fortunately things are getting better now that, you know- Yeah, everywhere is everywhere with the yeah, internet yeah. now. Like when I was a kid, like there were certain things that my aunt that lived out here in California would always be calling home and like, hey, mail these to me because you couldn't buy them. You know, and it's like now that stuff's in the grocery store. Oh, there. yeah. I still, oh, you're driving down here? Bring yeah. some bagels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like back home though. Like I grew up with like great Italian food and pizza and like stromboli. Like people didn't know yeah. what stromboli was when I first came to California. Like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, you right. explain it to them. They'd be like, no, that's a calzone. I'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know what you can't find here anywhere? I've been to fancy bakeries and everything. I can't find them. Rainbow cookies. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm trying to like actually place that right now. Oh, I mean, yeah. Okay. What's the rainbow? So what's the rainbow? They have like a very almondy kind of taste. Uh -huh. And uh, it's pink, yellow, and I believe blue like layer cake that's about this tall and they come in these little uh, cubes yeah i think and I in new york they're everywhere that. in florida miami yeah. metro area they're everywhere here you can't get them and we have Publix here the grocery uh -huh. store and i said Publix will have rainbow cookies they, they have an entire aisle that's just rainbow cookies <laughs> yeah nope. nobody no has any idea what we were talking about it's funny how when you go around you travel around how things are just like something that you just took for granted like when i i first moved to california there's a chip company back home that made kettle cooked chips. And that's like what I grew up eating is those yeah. thick kettle cooked chips. Totally. When I moved out here, the only thing they had was like Pringles and Lay's. I was like, this is not a chip, man. This is like a, a poor excuse for a chip. Right. You, you it's know? Adult. <laughs> it, took, it took like 15 years. And shit, man, I've been out here for a while. Now so, they're <laughs> mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. There's like 10 different brands, you know, it's like, yeah. Even I would always have kettle cooked chips at my grandparents' house when I was really little. They're, you know, they're everywhere. I don't know. You guys might have had, do you have Martin's over there in New York when you grew up? Martin's chips? I don't think so. Probably not. You, I'm sure you guys had the pretzels that we had. Snyder's, I think they were pretty big. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I ate whatever my mom bought for right, us. To eat, right, so I don't know. Right. <laughs> Maybe they were there and she didn't, she didn't buy them. Yeah. But, yeah. We didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of money, but. The, the the few things that we could get our hands on, we definitely were all in on. You got the good stuff. Yeah. There's this dip <laughs> back home called the hell of a good dip. Man, I love that stuff. And I can't get, like, I saw it on Amazon. Like, I could order it on there, but it'd be like $65 in shipping for like a $5 chip dip. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like that? Ordered something ridiculous from home, just paid the shipping and didn't even care? Oh, all the time. What's that? Uh, what's you know that movie? It's like a with Meg Ryan in it. She like has a little. Oh, I'm not gonna know what it is. It's any it's, movie. No. I'll say I have no idea. No. Okay. There's a movie where there's a restaurant in New York City that the scene in the movie takes place in. That's pretty well known because she um she she uh, I don't know how to say it PG. So I'll just leave it at that. She she has a very <laughs> a very strong emotional moment that um happens at this table while they're in this restaurant it's a jewish restaurant actually and um i can't that's believe, something you'll only find in new york or california probably I'm trying, i can't believe i'm like in the u.s totally, at least totally blanking the name of the restaurant like if i said the name of the restaurant you'd be like oh yeah i've been there freaking 10 times 
Um, anyways, they make these pickles there that my lady likes, and I, I ordered them for her birthday one year, and it was like eighty dollars in shipping. I was like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was just like something where she just loves them. Oh, you know what I mean? Man. It was like such a great surprise. But it was were they half sours? Huh? Half they're sours? Like, they're like fresh. It's like a fresh pickle. So it's so, more green. Yeah, and it's in not like dark green. green. Yeah, that's a half sour, and that's really really popular at Jewish delis and diners and things in New York. And I, I barely see, you can get them from the grocery store, but I, I don't really see them anywhere except like that. Ben's, like Ben's Deli in New York um, has really good pickles. They put out a whole metal kind of a bowl of them at the side of the table for you to eat. Cats. That's what it is. Cats Deli. Cats Deli. Yeah. It's I don't know New if York, I have yeah, been there. Yeah. It's in New York city. It, I, I think it's just like really popular from that movie. I can't remember what it was like Harry met Sally or something like that. Somebody in the comments, let me know. Yeah, everybody's saying it right there. If oh, I would just open my freaking eyes up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, I had it on the like a different screen here. I see it now. Now, this is. Um, these are YouTube comments. Wow. Mm -hmm. This StreamYard thing is pretty, yeah, yeah. It it's pretty cool. You know, I could take something like this here and just throw this guy up. Tony Piazza saying, hey, it's when Harry met Sally. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, I so, like having I like having the comments up there. I didn't yeah, see yeah, any yeah, of throws them. It, throws it up. So normally I try to try to like kind of keep an eye on what's going on over there, but I don't want to like interrupt the conversation. Sure. Just to like so I try to keep it keep it a happy balance, right? So um <clears throat> basically you're riding bike. Why why the mountain bike then if you were doing all the street? Like what what got you into the mountain bike? So it's actually a natural progression for a lot of people. A lot of my friends that I've lost touch with that rode BMX, like I look them up now and they're, they're mountain biking. Yeah. And it, mountain bikes especially. So my friend Scott said it best. He said, I always thought mountain bikes were like less amped up than BMX. Mm -hmm. Like it's sort of less, uh, it's less aggro. It, that's not really the case these days. Mountain bikes have changed a lot. It used to be like a road bike with beefy frame and, yeah. and knobby tires. Yeah, and even the beefy now, frame was like... the geometry is getting closer and closer and closer to a BMX. When you drop that dropper post, yeah. you can pull up, you can jump, you can do all the stuff you can do on a BMX or dirt jump bike, to a, maybe to a lesser degree, because it's, you know, it's still got a pedal, right? But right. Uh, it's obvious to go to mountain biking. I can't... I can't grind on people's handrails and go out in front of like target and jump over the big red things, you know, like yeah, I can't yeah, right. do that anymore. I'll get arrested. A kid yeah. does it. You say, yeah, get out of here, kid. But right. if, if, uh, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. And, and who am I going to do it with? Right. For 14 year olds, <laughs> nothing against 14 year olds, but, uh, you right, know, right. I want to hang yeah. out with people my age. So it's like, mountain biking and then yeah. when you start mountain biking first of all not only can i not do bmx right now but when i was a kid it was very hard to mountain bike somebody would have to drive me to the trailhead i yeah. couldn't go out you know long island by myself just riding down main roads somebody right. have to drive me to the trailhead probably wasn't so accepted to just go out there alone. There weren't these sort of intuitive trail systems, like a place like kingdom trails. You see kids yeah. out there by themselves, you know, yeah. uh, you probably didn't see much, you know, 12 year olds and stuff out on the trails in long Island. Yeah. I was fortunate uh, that, that, you know, that 
older my mom's boyfriend was taking me you know so like that's kind of what oh, that's awesome for me so it was and then i think you know where i lived there's like little trails all over the place like it was probably just like somebody you know 40 years ago decided to walk through the woods that, to get to the other part of town and now it's like a trail that everybody knows about oh yeah you know what i mean but whenever mountain biking first started it's exactly like what you were saying like it definitely wasn't defined like it is now. And I mean, we were no. initially riding, like when we first started mountain biking, there was no rule that you couldn't mountain bike anywhere. So any hiking trail we were riding. Oh yeah. It was open you know. season on anything. Yeah. Yeah. Anything with dirt. Yeah. You know, totally. And but there's a not lot only of, could like, I not, go ahead. Not only could I kind of not mountain bike. So, so I, I couldn't mountain bike back then when I was a kid, unless, you know, my dad took me. And now I can't BMX as much. I can go to a skate park or something. I can't really yeah. ride street. Yeah. But I can mountain bike. I mean, I can buy a piece of property and build trails on it. I can do whatever I want now because I'm an adult. And right. so when you start mountain biking as an adult, you realize what you're missing out on. And so obviously I'm going to do that all the time. And it's not yeah. that um, I ne necessarily like it be better than BMX. When I was a kid, I liked BMX better. But I had the ecosystem. I had the street. I had the being kind of it's socially acceptable for me to do anything because I was a dumb kid. And I had the friends to do it with. Yeah. Now I have the friends to mountain bike with. I have the uh, big kid toys and, uh, yeah. and access to just take myself out wherever I want. So it's a natural progression, I think, for a lot of people. Even the BMX that I was doing when I was young was like, it was like, yeah, we would ride street some, but other places would be like, or maybe you would even call it like almost like dirt jumping kind of stuff where it was like you rode down this because nobody had has fences where I, I grew up. So it's like you ride down in between this valley between these two houses and then you you hit this what's really like a tabletop, but it's like a, a, a alleyway that goes through somebody's property. Right. Right. Or you hit this tabletop like riding street on a mountain bike. Right. Right. So it's like, I kind of like had this, like, even on the BMX bike, we were kind of riding in the dirt a lot too. So it was, and then we would go in town and do the stuff like where I was talking about, you know, like you got two buddies standing out in the street. Okay. It's safe. You know, and then you go hit this jump or whatever. And, but, uh, it, it, I think when I got into mountain biking, it was like, that's what I did with these old guys. And then what I, I still rode BMX with all my, my, my kids, my age. And then I, I took a break. I think a, a lot of people took a break somewhere in their twenties or something like that. And yeah, whenever a I transitional got, period. Yeah. And whenever I got back into it, it was like, man, I'm too big to be on a BMX bike and it hurts a lot when I fall. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this. That's especially in the last few years, I've become a lot more cognizant about what can happen when you fall. Yeah, I know you have yeah. uh, you have the uh, the separated color, right? Yeah, I have a big bump right here. Yeah, just I got one out. of those too. Um, doesn't look good. Um, how, how, how that happen? Uh, this I just bunny hopped over a fence and my back wheel hooked onto it, and I just went on my shoulder really Ouch. dumb stuff. Like I was just riding someplace on my, on my single speed hardtail. Yeah. And that happened. This happened on Berm Creek, the collarbone. Uh -huh. So it's actually both on the same. Is it? Yeah. It's both on the same side. <laughs> yeah. You know, it happens. And I've been more careful somewhat. I am. Um, 
always thought that I kept myself reined in enough that I wouldn't have a major injury. You know, like I'd be like, Hey, I'm pushing it. I'm getting better. But I know like not to just like go, go like crazy. Right. And, um, whenever I separated my shoulder, it was because my fork failed and that like changed my perspective on everything because I never really thought about a component failing that's going to cause me to get screwed up. I always thought it was like something in my control. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. You know, like there it was always so like variables. Yeah. I never even once even thought about it. You know, I was like, holy crap. Okay. Well, it's the same thing with driving. People think, oh, I'm a safe driver. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, an elk didn't run out in the middle of the road while you're going around that corner and, and cause you to steer off the road, you know? Right. Right. So you just, you're lucky. <laughs> so but, you moved yeah. down to Florida. How'd that happen? I did it for school. Uh-huh. So, and I, I just despise the cold. When I was a kid, I just associated winter with the time when you have to go to school and you can't do anything fun and everything sucks. And obviously summer's better. Yeah, yeah. And Florida was this wondrous place. It's like, it doesn't even get chilly. Like yeah. it's just hot year round. You can swim year round. You can go to the beach year round. Obviously that's better. Why doesn't everybody just live there? Right. And so I moved there for a little while and there's mosquitoes all the time. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, and, growing um, up in the Northeast, it must be something because that's exactly how I felt about moving to California. I was like, Yeah, winter just sucks. Like, you grew up, you're like, the only good thing that happened at winter was like Christmas and snow days. You, and, you know? and snow days were cool, but I mean, I didn't celebrate Christmas. So it was yeah. like, it was like winter was just terrible, terrible, terrible. Every <laughs> single day, I was just depressed yeah. and just just waiting for summer always. And then summer was just awesome every day. So, but I moved down to Florida and Florida gets a lot of unfair, just, they're just, everybody just picks on Florida, but yeah. it, there's a lot of different parts of Florida. It's a, it's one of the most populated States. Yeah. Um, everybody picks on it, but there are a lot of different parts. If you're down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale or Tampa, if you're in the cities in Florida, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of really good food. There's a lot of good stuff to do. And it's really a fun place. I enjoyed yeah. my time in Florida a lot. And the mountain bike community there blows away any mountain bike community I've seen anywhere in terms of contributing to the trails. That's awesome. So That's like Virginia cool. Key Park, there was a hurricane Every trail was complete. I mean, you couldn't even see where the trails were when it was done. It was every tree came down in this area. And I think, what did Frenchie tell me? It was like 800 people attended one day oh, wow. to volunteer. Like they something, like, they, they couldn't even manage the people. There were so many people that wanted right. to help dig. And now they have more mileage than from before the hurricane. That's so cool. That's really so. Cool. And so the community there is insane. They build some really good stuff. Now they're starting to build jumps because it's finally like every they're a little bit behind on the in the kind of like attitudes outside of mountain biking, but uh -huh. everybody's working really hard to change the perceptions and everything. And now there's jumps everywhere and Florida's just flourishing. I mean, year round you can build. They have a lot of places they can build. You're not going to have a downhill park. It's not going to be gravity fueled stuff. One of my but, friends that lives down in Florida said that somewhere where he was living, they had some kind of like mountain biking set up in a quarry. 
So that's, they would get their downhill stuff in the court. Uh, Santos. Vortex pit. So that's the vortex pit at Santos. Oh, right on. So that's down that area too. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. That's, really that's, in, cool. that's in Ocala. That's kind of out there. That is kind of out where the Florida stuff happens. Yeah. But, <laughs> but what'd, you uh, to, what'd you go to school for? Oh man. I, I started off going for liberal arts and then I switched to electrical engineering and then I switched back to business I don't have a degree in anything. <laughs> I just went to a whole bunch of school. I think I have an associate's degree in science or something yeah. like that. When I got close to finishing my bachelor's in business, um, I started my web development company and actually started making money. And I was like, nobody's asked me for my degree yet. So I'm going to just keep going with this. And uh-huh. all I had were electives. Like I probably have, I could probably 12 credits away from a bachelor's degree. But I didn't want to spend the money and I didn't want to waste the time because it's like I felt I felt like I was wasting time. And looking back on it, I totally was. I should have just <laughs> went straight into working. Yeah. But w- college really helped me write because you have to write so much in college. You have to write essays every single week. And yeah. I got A's on all those essays because I wouldn't accept anything less. And it really helped me become a better writer. And so I'm glad yeah. I went to college. Uh, I don't know if I was at the maturity level where I would have done something really productive at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's probably better that I was just going to school. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I uh, I was in the military, and then after I got out of the military, I went to school. And no I was way. Pretty, I was pretty motivated when I went to school, but I did something similar. Like I went through a whole program of of to be a recording artist, like a like a sound engineer, and then um like basically got offered a job at a major studio and then was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And then, so I took all these like computer classes and I was like just working on like my general ed so I could go to get a bachelor's degree, but I was taking all these computer classes because I thought they were fun. And then all of a sudden they started like actually having degrees for all those classes I took. And I was like, oh, I guess I could just like go take a test in this one class. And then I got a couple of degrees, you know, and kind of fell, fell into doing IT that way. Did you do a job um, like doing some kind of like stereo stuff? Yeah. So I have way more experience um, with vehicle electrical systems professionally than I do with bicycles. Because there's a um, really young Seth Alvo on Google that's like doing videos he for uh... me every day. So here's the backstory <laughs> behind that. So I was working for this company called Moving On Sounds, and they were they used to in the 90s when car stereo was a thing, they did car stereo stuff, and that's how they made their money. They were huge. Right. Then as car stereo became not a thing, which all it took was include a CD player in a car from the factory, which right. <laughs> for some reason happened 15 years after CDs became popular, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Anyway, um, once car companies caught on that people weren't using cassettes anymore and they started including CD players, the car stereo industry got decimated. And the right. other reason the car stereo industry got decimated was the internet. All the stuff they were selling on the store and making decent profit on just became zero. People will come in with a heap of stuff they got from the internet and pay them to right. install it and they make zero dollars. So uh, I worked there once they had started transitioning to doing more work for fleets and municipalities and just doing electrical work on vehicles. Mm-hmm. But 
we still had the showroom with the car stereo stuff. And it was still a topic. People were still putting subwoofers and speakers and things yeah, in their car yeah. that they ordered from the internet. And so this company, Howcast, that was making how-to videos, reached out to Moving On Sounds. They talked to the owner and they said, hey, can we do these videos there? And thousands of people are going to see them and it could be a really good advertisement for your business. And so we said, okay. And they asked me my name and everything. And I was like, listen, this is about moving on sounds. It's not about me. Right. They totally ignored what I said. The person <laughs> who filmed it was not the person we spoke to. And they spoke. So now it's like set this Seth. Now it's, it's everywhere. I'm out there explaining <laughs> things about car series. Now, why was I the person to do it? I worked in the, I worked in the office. But it's it's a car stereo place. Like you're right. not everybody is going to be well spoken. Yeah, and like, I was I kind talk. of the best candidate to to kind of talk about it. But at the time, I wasn't even a technician anymore. Right. You know. So, but Sorry. yeah, that exists. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so you're uh, down there working on car stereos in in Florida. What makes you decide to? Uh, so that was in New York. Oh, that was in New York. Oh, wow. So you were really young then, huh? Yeah. So whenever you were down, what time, what, what year did you start the channel? 2015, very early 2015. I know whenever I looked this up a long time ago, like the time that you, you started your channel was about the same time that I bought the domain for biker.com. And I was building that website to do like, kind of like these trail like trail explanations, let's just say, because it wasn't really video, wasn't really a big thing. You know what I mean? Like not super big, at least as far as like mountain biking goes. And my plan at the time was like this guy that that used to do like all these like write-ups of, of trails around here, what like he stopped taking care of his site, but it was like a really good resource. So I was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to like take a bunch of pictures of all these trails and then I'm building this site. And then, uh, then you started seeing the GoPros and stuff. And I was like, Oh, I can put a GoPro on. I'll take some, take some video for this site. And I, uh, I took all this video and Holy cow. Then I learned about editing and it just like, I had like on a sudden a terabyte of video and like no, no want or need to edit any of it. So that website and idea just was like one of those things that me and my buddies would talk about whenever I was drinking. So you actually started, you know, and what made you do that? I've probably answered this question 10 different ways. The, when I was a web developer, when I was working on my web development company, working from home, I worked seven days a week. I worked late into the night. And that's just, that's just how I work when I do anything. Yeah. And then at a certain point, I got really good at it. And I started having free time. And... I was a certain point. I was like, I don't work on the weekends anymore. I don't work past six anymore. Yeah. I start at 10 and I end at six and then I turn my phone off and I have weekends off Saturday and Sunday. I would do normal people stuff mm -hmm. and have to fill it with some other kind of work. So I started this YouTube channel. And at the time I didn't really know what a YouTube channel was. I didn't know. I thought that everybody used YouTube the same way that I use YouTube, which is, I see a video pop up and I watch it and I get sucked into the wormhole. And then eventually I'm done watching YouTube and I go yeah. to bed. Yeah. I didn't know that people subscribed to channels and followed yeah. creators and waited for their videos every week. That wasn't even, a, I didn't even understand that that was a thing. Yeah, I didn't But either. I thought, Hey, 
I can post YouTube videos, I can review products, and then as I get better at it, maybe I can turn it into something. And I right. was thinking I was going to turn it into something really small because nobody's going to watch a video that I post, right? Like right. only this many, that only happens to this many people, which it right. does. But I didn't think that I could possibly be one of those people. So when, when I started I was, posting videos, yeah, go for it. Yeah, when, when I started posting videos, people were like, man, you should have way more subscribers. And I'm like, who subscribes to stuff? Then you get emails and then it's like, yeah, right. you know, like nobody was just actually does that. And I started getting more regular viewers and I started seeing the same people in the comments and I started to understand what YouTube was. Yeah. And of course I was posting a couple times a week and the videos were two and a half minutes long. Like I could film it and edit it all on the same day. Like right, totally. no big deal. And I, I didn't care what the shots came out with like and stuff, but I learned what YouTube was while starting a YouTube channel. I learned that people want to see you post a video again. I yeah. learned that you start looking at the statistics and you want your last video to perform better. You want your next video to perform better than your last video. Right. All those things were foreign to me. All those things were new. And so is this wormhole I started getting sucked into. And by the time I got up to 10,000 subscribers, I was like, maybe I should try monetizing this. Like maybe I should apply for monetization and turn this on. And back then you could just start a YouTube channel and, and apply for monetization right away. Yeah. You didn't have to get a minimum of anything. Right. Right. They were just but like, they I wanted to monetize 10, anybody. I had 10,000 subscribers and I was like, all right, let me apply for monetization. <laughs> like maybe it'll be like $14 or something at the end yeah, of the month. Yeah. Because the only people who probably make anything are the ones that are getting trillions of views in every single video. Right, right. All the man, was I wrong. Yeah, right. So now I can start investing in camera gear. Yeah, every cent right. of it went back into the channel. So it's like, yeah. okay, now I can start buying camera gear. Now I'm going to get a new computer too because I can justify it for the editing, right? Right, yeah, was, totally. You know, I had the web development company, but I had everything I needed. I couldn't justify buying cameras and more computers and hard drives and things until I flipped that monetization switch. And that's when things yeah. really took off because yeah. now I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If I could keep growing at this level, then maybe I could like fire a few of my clients yeah. on the web development company and spend more time on this. Yeah. And it kept shifting until it was like 50, 50. Right. And that's when I moved to Asheville and shut down my web development company which was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Hands down way more scary than the, the white line. Yeah. You told me, <laughs> you told me that your, your family thought you were completely insane. My family was pretty supportive, but people were like, make sure you know what you're doing. You know, what are you going to fall back on if this doesn't work? And it's like, I don't know. At this that point, you had a couple hundred thousand subscribers, didn't you? I had a couple hundred thousand subscribers when I switched when I closed my web development company. So I played mm -hmm. it safe. Yeah. As I, as I play things. Right. Um, right. I'm, I'm pretty responsible when it comes to making sure I don't drive myself into financial ruin. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty like shoot from the hip for most of the stuff, but, <laughs> fiscally, but fiscally I'm, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty, cautious that way too where it's like yeah it has to make a lot of sense before i'm gonna like jump in you know yeah every piece of data okay every prediction that i had made from early on 
I blew that prediction out of the water. I outperformed everything I predicted up to that point. Mm -hmm. And the predictions I was making at that point, when I closed my web development company, I was like, even worst case scenario, this is going to be better. Yeah. From a quality of life standpoint, I'm going to do something I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to take a huge step back to take a step forward, but I'm going to have all week to do it. So it's yeah. not going to be like I'm juggling two jobs at the same yeah, time. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was just so burnt out when I was doing both of them. And yeah, everybody's kind of worried, but I was, I was like, really excited about it. I was like giddy, like, okay. And um, yeah, did it. It worked. How, how did you originally get into the, the web development stuff? That I really did just kind of fall into. When I was working at the car stereo place, I was helping them with their marketing. I was helping, I was helping them with everything. We were designing yeah. products even. And uh, I learned a lot of it there because I just had, they had nobody else to try and do it. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of became in charge with it and I learned to code and I learned all sorts yeah. of stuff. And then I started taking on side projects and then those people wanted more projects. And then they would ask, hey, tell a friend that I did it. And before yeah. you know it, yeah. I was just like, I had to start a company just yeah. to do all the invoicing and, every, and everything. And then, like I do everything, I worked seven days a week at it. I solicited for more clients. I visited yeah. business networking groups. I got a personal assistant and I just, yeah. I grew it. So, yeah, and Web was like in that time frame too. Web was pretty easy to make some pretty good money and not have to. Yeah. Like, not like, anymore. Yeah, not anymore. But at that point, I mean, because I, I taught myself how to code too. Originally I wouldn't wanted to take a class at school and it just didn't like line up. And I was like, well, well I'm gonna at school, schools are in a constant state of teaching what was popular 20 years ago. Yeah. So basically for me, I was just like, well, I'm going to take the time that I would have sat in that class and I'm just going to start learning how to do it online. And it, it got real easy to get to a point where you could like build a website for somebody and make a fair amount of money. So it was like, definitely for me, it was like a side gig. I ended up getting more into like networking and stuff like that. But um, I can definitely understand how that just kind of like steamrolled on its own. Yeah. So, it, but I mean, it kind of lends itself to, to understanding, you know, the web and then kind of getting into YouTube as well. So totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, this stuff was easy for me to learn. Right. It seems the like there's a lot of guys with channels that have IT or IT-esque kind of backgrounds. Absolutely. Well, yeah. also when you have an IT background, you have generally the freedom to work on something like a YouTube channel. So all jobs, yeah. you're working only a certain percentage of the time, yeah, right? Totally. Like, except for waiters and waitresses, they work the entire, any right. doctors. Somebody that's like manufacturing something, like they can't walk away from a machine. Yeah. Or you can't leave the machine, but most office jobs, most office jobs, yeah. Like r really calculate how much of the day you're actually working on yeah. something. Right. I know um, I read some study before and it was like, people actually work like three or four hours out of the day compared to the eight that they're there. Yeah. And there's, there are definitely exceptions, but like, yeah. come on, most people aren't working the whole day, but right. when you're in IT, <laughs> nobody understands what you do all day. Right. Nobody. Right. They, they, <laughs> you could be doing nothing and they'd be afraid to fire you because everything's going to fall apart. So it's right. like, you could just be working on a YouTube video and nobody would, would know. Right. But at the time that I, so you do have a lot of people in IT. Yeah, now, yeah. I, I had actually gotten to an efficient point where I had a couple of days per week that I could work on stuff. But 
if I was working in a real office, nobody would have any idea what I was doing. So, so when you started the channel, like, did you just like, you were like, Oh, I want to make videos about bikes because I like riding bikes. Or were you like, like, what, what should I make a channel about? Like, did you have that conversation with oh, yourself? No, or? I never thought about that. I just thought, ah, you know, I want to do, you know, I don't really remember what the original thought process was. It was probably affiliate linking. Like I thought, because I had clients who did that and they had blogs and stuff like that and they were doing right. okay. And so I thought, you know, maybe if I could learn how to make these videos and build up a backlog of them, if each of them just makes a few bucks a month, then maybe I can yeah, take care yeah. of my car payment. So yeah, actually yeah. the motivation was money. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, when I started doing it, that went out the window. I the, <laughs> Every money that you make, you just spend on gear. Yeah. And then I started just spending all the money on gear because you get addicted to making the videos because right. you don't, when you go into YouTube, nobody expects, let's put it this way. If you go into making YouTube videos and you actually think anybody's going to watch them, then you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Like I went in thinking nobody's going to watch these videos. No, yeah. like there's going to be a trickle of people watching these videos and then people watched them. And so it was so exciting. You got to keep doing it. Yeah. One you, of my your subscribers, subscribers will hold you accountable. You have to keep making videos. One of my first subscribers was MTV Savant. Do you know who that guy is? Yeah. So he was one of my very first, good creator. One of my first subscribers that wasn't my friend. Right. So, and he was like, great video, dude. And I was like, convinced that he was just a troll i was like why would this guy think that my video was any good you know like who is this dude you know like there's no way like i totally didn't believe it but i did walk around my house and tell everybody i was famous so <laughs> so speaking of being famous i was i was looking you up a little bit before before i got started and um on google apparently like when you search somebody's name it only goes out like 16 pages so, and then it's like, if you really want more, we can search in a different manner, right? So I searched Tom Hanks and he's got all 16 pages are Tom Hanks, like down to the last one. You Damn. have, you have eight pages, dude. You're like halfway there to be. I'm halfway to, to Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be crazy, man. Cause I'm telling you, I, I have what, like 8,000 subscribers and, but man, everywhere I go, like mountain bike wise, like I run into people It for, for you to be at what 2 million now, basically it was something like 1.89 yeah. or something yeah. who's counting. Right. So like, but I mean, at that point, I mean, you're getting recognized like in the airport or like yeah. much anywhere that you go. Yeah. That's definitely not something that you, ex that you think about when you start a YouTube channel. Like I never thought no. that I would be at a restaurant and somebody would come up to me and be like biker and, and it's happened. You know, I'm like, what the hell? Like that was not, like you don't even process that as part of like why you're no. starting a channel. You don't expect that that could ever possibly happen. So how do, how do you deal with it where, where you're at now? Somebody says hello. I say hello back. If they want to take yeah. a picture, I take a picture with them. I'm genuinely happy to see them. Yeah. There are times when obviously don't come up to me. Like I'm having dinner with my wife. Yeah. You know, we're in a conversation yeah. and people still do. And yeah. then I'm like a little annoyed, but mm -hmm. I probably don't show it. But most of the time somebody comes up to me, it's just cool. You're into my videos. I work really hard on those. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm with you there. there are times when it can get 
the events are where it gets tiring. Uh -huh. It gets really tiring, like especially at Sea Otter. It's like back to back to back to back. It's like, wait, I need to go to the bathroom. I've been trying to go to the bathroom for two hours. And then <laughs> every time I try to leave, there's the next person. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you feel like, wow, I just met a whole bunch of people. I have a much better, a clear image of who my audience is. Mm -hmm. And it always ends up being a good experience, even if it becomes a little tiring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I like about Sedona Mountain Bike Festival is it, it never really gets that tiring. It's a, like yeah. way lower key. Yeah, it's so much fun. I, I yeah, try to explain that's it to people event all the time. Ever. If there's only one event that you could go to, and even if you talk to a lot of people in the bike industry, they'll tell you that's the one. Yeah. That's the one to go to, man. Sedona Mountain Bike Festival is hands down. Like when Sea Otter was canceled this year, I was like. Yeah, whatever. I, it was, I was conflicted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't bother me much at all. Honestly, like it's cool to go down there and kind of see all the vendors and stuff. But I don't know about you, but I don't really ride that much at Sea Otter. I didn't even take a bike last year because I was like, I don't even care about riding. Riding down there sucks. Like and if I was traffic and everything, yeah. it's like if I was going to ride in, in that area, I'd drive to like Santa Cruz's. So it's like, well, what's the point of going to Sea Otter from a turn around and go back? Yeah, to what Santa do you want to do at a racetrack if you can go to <laughs> yeah. Santa Cruz? But yeah, Sea Otter is not so much about riding. It's more about the products and the vendors yeah, and the events yeah. and the races. Yeah, and different. that's less, well, my channel does have a lot to do with products, but it's just not as fun for yeah. everybody, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, Sedona has some just great trails that are right there. It's like, you don't even have to have a car to go to them. You know what I mean? It's, it's, so yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool that way. Uh, definitely, definitely a lot of fun to be had there. Totally. What, what's, um, what's one of the questions that you get asked the most that you're just like, man, do I, if I have to answer this question, like, you, you know, did you ever watch that movie? Um, Aladdin, the old Disney movie. Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right, so you know that little parrot that was played by like Gilbert Godfrey. He's like, if I have to eat one more damn cracker, you that's know, right. Just... <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey is like the parrot. Just completely over it. So, like, what's that question where you're like, if I have to eat one more damn cracker? <laughs> um, I don't know that anything sticks out yeah. when somebody asks me, "Hey, wait, you're the YouTube guy, right?" Like if yeah. I get that, like somebody who kind of knows who I am, but they don't really follow the channel, uh -huh. that's kind of annoying because it's like, what am I supposed to answer? It's like, yeah, I'm the YouTube. <laughs> that's me. Anything else? But <laughs> um, one time somebody was like, "Hey, wait, aren't you like single track sampler?" Somebody yeah, asked. Yeah. It was somebody. You it was like single track sampler skills of fill or something, and I was like, "Yep." <laughs> just yeah. like oh cool good to meet you can i get a picture with you i was like yeah and then just went about oh, the day that would be awesome <laughs> if they tagged alex on it or something like i met alex for single action well that's why i did it i thought yeah. it'd be funny that's hilarious. <laughs> when they tag it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so obviously you're pretty busy with your channels now you have more than one um what else do you like to do for fun? I mean, I like to go like play paintball. I like to ski. I like to do some other things. I actually don't find myself doing those things that much, but I do have other things that I like. It's very limited. I'm going to be honest. It's very limited, but I can, 
dig in and tell you a few things I do. So obviously uh, now that I'm bu building Burn Peak Express, it's, I don't have free time. Yeah. I don't have a day when I can do things. People th probably think I'm just blowing them off all the time because they text me, Hey, you want to go do this? And then I, I can't. Um, I think this is my perception that you're a pretty driven person. So I know I can't stop something that I want to do. Like, no. I and so to me, if I was in your position, I would get up every day and go out there and work on it because it's not done yet. Right. If I, <laughs> granted, I'm a, the biggest idiot ever. If I'm yeah. not working on it constantly, then I just don't appreciate it. So yeah, of course I'm working all the time, but like I get done at a certain amount of time. And even if I'm really, really tired, I can't go straight to bed. I have to wind down. Mm -hmm. And I, I watch YouTube for sure. Um, let me pick up my phone and tell you, or I could see here what YouTube channels I watch. So I'm always watching different YouTube channels. There's only a few that I watch like every single video that comes out. Like I see, I have subscribers that are like, no matter what you post, I watch every single video of yours. And I'm like, so honored that I'm that channel because right. I've seen, you know, tens of thousands of YouTube videos probably at this point. And there's only like this many channels and I watch every single video. Yeah. Project Farm is one of them. Uh, this guy tests different things like, uh, can you run a gas engine on WD-40? Yeah. Mess around with the carburetor until it does. And then it'll <laughs> run out. So he does all sorts of weird stuff. Which epoxy is the strongest? Like, actually the strongest. Right. Um, and he does these really good tests. I watch every single video that guy posts without exception. It's the nerdiest channel you've ever seen in your life. Another channel I really love is Matt's Off-Road Recovery. Uh -huh. So he Which, is, tow, is a tow guy but he's in Hurricane Utah. And so people are stuck out on the sand dunes. They have a flipped Can-Am and he's got to like flip it back over, get it on a trailer, drive the off-road trail to get it out. Like oh, it's right. always seriously complicated recovery that he has to do. And he's super he, like, nice. making that interesting though? It's so interesting. <laughs> it's so interesting. I watched this guy like redo uh, uh like a backhoe that was in the woods for like 40 years on some channel once. And I was like, why oh, are you watching yeah. this? But we it was all like get really sucked cool. into the restoration channels. Yeah, it was like really cool. Like <laughs> he was like digging the trees out of it. And then he's like, gets the thing started. Next thing you know, they're like driving it down the road. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is That's, I might have even seen that one. Another, but another channel that I watch every single video without fail, no exception, is My Mechanics. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's a restoration channel. Oh yeah. But this guy is on a different level. Yeah. So if he's doing a restoration, it could be missing parts and he makes a new one. And I, I, for, I think he's from Switzerland. Uh -huh. He doesn't speak the best English. So it's, and you know, he puts the text on the screen. So it says, says this, this part is too damaged. I make new one. And yeah. then every episode, it's like, I make new one. He's got like shirts that say, I make new one. There and, you know. <laughs> um, and it's awesome. He's just in unbelievable restorations this guy does. And I find them very soothing and relaxing. And he doesn't post very often because these restorations probably take him weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when he posts one, it's going to be good. Well, and then you know, like, how much footage is he going through? Like, you know that editing process is just a monster. You know? Oh, yeah. 
And it's a reductionary editing process because he's got to lay out everything in order and then right. whittle it down. So he's got six or seven hours of footage that he's got to go through. Right. So like, so Curtis and I edit opposite. Mm -hmm. Curtis edits the Burn Peak Express videos and I edit the Seth Spike Hacks videos and we literally edit opposite. We have the opposite technique to editing. How, um, I start with an empty timeline. I first I organize all my footage meticulously so mm -hmm. that I can pull from it really, really quick. Mm -hmm. I make a voiceover, I lay it down and I'll, I'll start from the beginning. So I start out with a whole bunch of footage. I dump it into a final cut pro library. I title it the year and then the topic, right? Mm -hmm. Like 2020, uh, snake pit skinny. Right. Then I meticulously organize all the footage with keyword collections and final cut pro. And the reason that I do that first, the reason that that's the first thing I do is because it allows me to watch all the footage and learn the footage and know what's there. Yeah. Once I've watched it, I'm like, Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot that shot. I got, Oh, Oh, that actually looks really good on video. I get all these ideas. Then I write my script. Yeah. So I write my script after I learn all the footage, then I record the voiceover. Then I clean up the voiceover, make it sound perfect. Then I start editing. Now, when the editing process begins, I have an empty timeline. There's nothing on it. And by the time I move on to putting the next clip on there, that clip is color corrected and everything. Now, people would say that's really an inefficient way to edit. You should lay everything down first and then go back and detail it. Yeah. I knock out my edits pretty quick, actually. I think it's like 10, 15 hours on one edit. Um, that's funny. Can, it's like everybody has a different way of doing it, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I just started doing voiceovers. So I used to like try to make sure that I talked enough in my videos that I, that would be the clips that I was using. So now that I'm doing more voiceover, I, I'll, I don't voiceover the whole thing. So I'll still cut into places where I'm talking on the trail or talking in front of the camera like that. Maybe more like how your burn peak videos are kind of back and forth, you know? Right. And, um, but I go through my footage and kind of just like anything that's interesting, I drop into the timeline in like a chronological order. Then I go back to the beginning and then I'm starting to write my script as I'm going through it and cutting in okay. the, the stuff. And then I'll be like, oh, I need a B-roll or I need something from this other video that I did a long time ago. And I'll go grab that stuff and pull it in as I go. But I'm like writing the script like two sentences at a time as I'm recording it, cutting it in exactly. So I'm like finishing that process at the end of it. And it's a similar time frame as what you just said. Like it's just I just a different way to do it, man. Yeah. Um, most of the time in my script, I'm cueing things that I know are going to be in the footage. And I'm doing it kind of ahead of time like that. Yeah. Where I know it's gonna line up to something in the timeline. Yeah. And I just keep laying down clips over the voiceover and then I keep rewatching it from the beginning up to the point I was at. And if at any point I get bored and if at any point I'm like, that doesn't work, I go back and change it until it's perfect. And I don't move on until, so I keep building the video from start to end until I feel like it's really interesting the whole way. And Curtis does it a completely different way. How's he he takes every last bit of footage, lays it all out on the timeline. So he has like two and a half hours of footage and then he keeps 
whittling it down until it's concise. And then he goes back and polishes it up and puts in music and everything. Oh, and it wow. makes sense for the type of videos that are on Burn Peak Express because he's actually yeah. following me around talking yeah. rather than like, I feel like a Seth Spike Hacks video is almost like a short film. Yeah. That might be giving it a little too much credit, but it's almost no, like I a see short what you're saying. Yeah, it, yeah. It has more in common with a short film than it does a YouTube video. Whereas it's like a lot of little B-roll shots and stuff like right. that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Burn Peak Express is a true YouTube video. Those are paying homage to the craft of YouTube. And that's where Curtis's background is in. And a lot of people like those videos even better. That's yeah. like the highlight of their week, the Burn Peak Express videos. And Curtis is a really talented producer. He knows how to make a YouTube video. You guys are doing good together, man. You're like, honestly, like if it wasn't for you talking about him doing that, people would think that it, they were your edits. You, you know that's, what I mean? That's good to hear. Yeah. I like, mean, I think he, of the burn, I couldn't edit the burn peak express videos as well as Curtis does. Yeah. My, my workflow is different from him, from him. How do you find somebody like that? It's not well, like we found him through a friend who is also a YouTuber and they were sort of scaling back on the videos that they were doing and sort of going into semi-retirement. Yeah. And so he was getting less hours. So he started picking up some hours with me and then he got more hours with me. And Curtis. that's how it works. I kind of really lucked out with Curtis. Um, so he rides too, right? Uh, he does now. We got him on a mountain bike. <laughs> uh, we're going to get him on a little bit more, but... If I was just looking for people who mountain bike to help me produce, then I would be seriously limited, especially locally. I needed somebody to come here. And I worked with Curtis for probably, I think it was five months before we released any videos together. Really? Yeah. Cause I had to train him and I had to make sure that it was going to be like, I've had workers before I've had employees before, you know, colleagues and one thing with I've the channel or with just in general, in saying? general web okay. development, I've had personal assistance and stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. And a lot of people get an employee and they're like, I don't like the way they're doing this. And I'm trying to get them to do it the way I want. And it's, and it's like, you, sometimes it has to be that way. If you have a right. store or a restaurant yeah, or yeah, something yeah. and things have to be a certain way, but like, I find that you can't really get good work out of people unless you figure out what their strengths are and then figure out something you can have them do that plays on their strengths. Yeah. Like you ever get a job and you end up doing a job that didn't exist before you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I've had that before, like yeah. at the car stereo place, the, I was sitting next to the owner helping him with marketing and doing all this website stuff and, and doing stuff that what there wasn't that job description before. Right. And so when I hire people or take on people to help me with things, I like to come up with a job for them, find a talented person that's in the vein of what I want to do and yeah. then play on their strengths. So when I first hired Curtis, I wanted him to do Facebook. Facebook mm -hmm. had monetization. There were a lot of people on Facebook that wanted more content. And I thought, well, if he takes my videos and whittles them down into a short, like three minute video, that's like a yeah. square, we could put them on Facebook. It'll make people happy because they have a little more content. We could take outtakes and put it on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, totally. and so uh, we were trying to figure out a way to make that work. Eventually we sort of did. We were just posting old videos and posting my weekly videos. And we were trying to come up with like, we scrapped like half the stuff we worked on. We didn't, we yeah, didn't post yeah. anything because I just didn't feel like it really represented the channel. And then finally, 
we started trying to make those burn peak express videos and we actually scrapped a bunch of those too. I have some sitting on my computer yeah. that I've never seen the light of day. And we eventually came up with a process that worked. And mind you, this the entire five months was sickeningly expensive. <laughs> and, and there were probably a lot of times where Curtis was like, what am I doing? What is my life? Like, is this even right. going to work? Am I going to have a job in, in a month? Right. And eventually <laughs> figured out what he was good at, figured out all our camera. There were there's camera gear that I ordered because Curtis is like, we should be using this. And I'm like, let's try it, you know? Right. Right. And we built that channel together. And it's as much Curtis as it yeah. is me that, that built all that. It's a great and channel. now I feel like we've we've got his strengths like to the max. Yeah. They're being utilized on Burn Peak Express. I think the the biggest perk to that channel is that your content can really be anything. So you can be like content that is not this subset of people on YouTube that are into mountain biking. Like it can be content about your wench on your 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 getter, you know. And, and well, that kind of scares me because now I'm like too mainstream. Yeah, but I think it's you know? good though because then you have the ability. That's a bigger audience, you know. It is. So we're trying to be mainstream. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think. It, but I think it's still it's still a Seth bike hacks channel though. I mean, it's it's still there. It's still bike stuff in there. I think it's just totally. allowing, allowing you guys to like spread your wings a little bit. I, I think it's a great channel. It's funny you said that about people liking that channel so much. Cause I remember reading like some of the comments, I think on your Patreon or something and people saying that. And I was like, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. You know, it's, it's, uh, those videos have to some degree allowed me to be more creative because now we're in the sort of backyard trail vein. That's what everybody wants to see. And honestly, I'm passionate about it. I want to keep building out Berm Peak. But if I post a video about anything else, if I post a video on 10 products or something, people are like, we want the trail builds. We want yeah, some Berm yeah. Peak stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing that now. You're but, never going to keep everybody happy, though. I mean, you build, well, if you do this trail build, no. everybody's going to be over there complaining about, oh, it's him building the trails. But they're right. But they're right. Those videos are, people have grown to love those videos. And that yeah. is what they want to see. It throws them for a loop when I post something else. So I'm like, <laughs> there's so many other things going on around here that we have to make content about. Yeah. If yeah. I could just get just one day a week or just like one morning. Yeah. And have somebody else do most of the production work. We could film it all in one shot. It can't be some big project. It has yeah. to be something that we can do in a few hours. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the reorganizing your, uh, your reorganizing your, the storage unit. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to do that anyway. Why not right. film it? La right. Lab up and film it. And like uh, the grips video, we yeah. did that in three hours, right? Like it has yeah. to be something like that. And it turns yeah. out that people like that content. And because I have the help, and because we've done all the legwork of... You guys are good storytellers. Yeah, we came up with this yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. You know how much stuff is cut out of those videos to make it concise and flowy yeah, yeah. and everything? It's yeah, like, yeah. you know? I'm sure. But people like it. So it's it's been working. <laughs> That's interesting. So um, a long time ago, when your channel's growing, you're trying to like kind of make things happen. You end up with this Diamondback sponsor. How'd that come together? So at the time, 
sponsoring YouTubers in the biking world was not really a thing. Yeah, not at all. It really was not a thing. And the brand manager for Diamondback at the time sent me an email. He says, I'm from Diamondback Bicycles. And I said, you know, that's weird because I was actually thinking about buying a Diamondback. I wanted to get a newer, more modern bike. And I was looking at some of their hardtails. And I was like, you know what? For the money, this looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. And he's like, let's get on a phone call. So we got on a phone call and he's like, he's like, so how, many, how many subs do you have at this point? Maybe like 130,000. Oh, so it was pretty small then. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so you, back you've then, been, you've been, been working with them for a long time then. Back then, Skills with Phil had like 10,000. So it was like, yeah, yeah. This is like, it was big. Beginning, yeah. The numbers now, 30,000 small. It wasn't small right. back then. It's just, right. YouTube's a different place. But anyway, he, he said, listen, I love what you do. We love what you do here. And we want, we don't want you to change it. We just want to be involved somehow. We want to help you somehow. Mm -hmm. And I had been contacted by some other companies and things and products and things. And, and they got it before it was even a thing. Yeah. So before working with YouTubers was even a thing, they understood how it has to work. It yeah. can't be like, we're giving you a script that you have to parrot. It can't be like, yeah, we're going to tell you, we have to watch your video before you put it out. It has it, to be, we're behind you. We're in it. How yeah. can we help? You got control, you know? Yeah. Your, so your, yeah. I was like, send me some freaking bikes because I'm breaking these things left and right. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, um, so they sent me the sinker pro first which uh -huh. I still have up on that wall as the murder machine. And they were really cool. And then as time went on, our relationship grew. Like now they're actually a true sponsor of the channel. You know, mm -hmm. they, they actually uh, help with my expenses and everything. And there's different people are in place now. They have a different brand manager now, but a lot of the people there still work there. And, and I think of Diamondback as almost coworkers. I'm really... I know about some of their products before they come out. They ask us what colors we think. Like me and yeah, Eric, yeah. Or like Eric's been with Diamondback for over a decade now. Mm -hmm. um, they ask us about the colors. They ask us what types of bikes they we really want to see next year. I feel like those products are something that I helped work on. Yeah, totally. you know, I'm really proud of them, and it's like uh, they're they've been part of the channel for long enough where it's it's really it's like that. Um, and it's the same thing. They're behind anything I want to do. So, um, I've had other sponsors. I've worked with other companies. I've done ads. I'm still, I still will in the future, but I think Diamondback will remain a constant. That's good. That's good that you have a relationship with that. You know, one of the things that I enjoy about the companies that I, that I decide to work with is that just like when they're companies that you can really stand behind, like I never want to be in a spot that it's like, trying to take something for money or for this like part or whatever. It's like when I talk oh, about yeah. Cali protectives and how much I love their stuff, like I me freaking too. really love it. It's not somebody sent me something and I get these knee pads for free. And that's why I'm telling you guys to buy them. It's like, no, these things are great. Like they're super really comfortable. Like Cali protectives, everything they make. It's so comfortable. Have you had a chance to like talk to the owner? I've never talked to the owner. I talked to their marketing manager and we've exchanged some emails on and off. I think they've sent me a couple of things here and there, but yeah. it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good fit 
I don't know if it's a good fit for the channel or whether they don't yeah. think I'm a good fit or whatever, but honestly, I don't really want to take on a protective gear sponsor. No, I, I, it's something I where I like their entire line, you know? Yeah, no, the main reason that I asked that is just because Brad is like a super cool guy and like really passionate about what he does. Like you wouldn't expect somebody that's like, like in my head, I don't know why I would have thought this, but like somebody that's making helmets, like he's really concerned about people being safe. You know, yeah. he's like he's like, no, I didn't build that helmet that way. Like may maybe when people started first doing like detachable like chin bars, he's like, I don't think it's safe. I'm not doing that. There's no way I'm building that. I'm like, dude, but that's like what everybody wants. He's like, I don't care. I don't think it's safe. You know, like, and then he would say, hey, well, these people, I think their their design's good. It's just like, I can stand behind somebody like that. You know what I mean? That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny because I had this thing that I was going to ask you. Where is this at? Friendly heads up, whatever. We're going to do this share screen thing and see what happens. See if I can not, not like make this horrible. Where did it go? We'll go to hang on, cancel that a Chrome tab. See how much I can fumble through this. But since we were talking about it, so here is a really old Instagram picture. Can you see that? Yeah. So, uh, there's another um, show that I watch on YouTube and they always pull some old Instagram picture and here you're actually talking about Cali and uh, that they, they kind of saved it. What happened here? For those of you people that are listening to this as a podcast, this is a picture of Seth from 2016 with just mud splattered all over his face and the caption read out. Shout out to Cali Protectives for keeping my head safe. That could have been so much worse. <laughs> and you can see my head's the only part of the picture that's clean. <laughs> yeah. It's just definitely, uh, your face is just covered in mud. Let me get back over here. Yeah, so that was my first Maya them since. Uh <laughs> Sorry, I accidentally pulled you off. That was your first what? Uh, that was my first Maya helmet. Uh -huh. And uh, really good helmet. I've bought two of them since every time I crash in one throw it out and get a new one. And uh, you know, that was you know when that... I took the BMX on the mountain bike trail in Florida. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, BMX. yeah. I remember that video. Okay. So, like, you know, a street BMX generally doesn't have brakes. And uh, so I just had to figure it out. Yeah. And uh, some things I didn't figure out so good. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> figured out how to stop with your face, right? Yeah. <laughs> So that, that video did, I remember that video doing fairly well. Is that the one where you had the broom and drama was chasing you with the broom? No, that was the no. drama broom video. No, that was, that was, a, that <laughs> that was, was kind of French bulldog be a trail dog. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's good stuff, man. Um, good God. Now I'm stumbling here. There was something else that was like right on the, Oh, you know, what is something that, you look back on that you wish you could have done different or you would have done different with the channel in terms with the channel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think if I could had a time machine and I could go back and do something different, I would be afraid to because it's going so well right now. But the Tony, thing that I was of... like, man, maybe I should have, monetize sooner or maybe i should have started burn peak a, a year ago so or... so first of all and there's a really good example on the screen of why this is a problem um the name of the channel seth's bike hacks it mm -hmm. originally started out 
it was just bike hacks. And then that was, that domain was taken. So when it started growing, I had to change the sets bike hacks mm -hmm. and there's an apostrophe in it. It's <laughs> a mess. And so everybody gets it wrong. Even you got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> on the screen. So, oh, yeah, when, yeah. So, you know what? It's funny because right before I changed the, the URL because I had your URL wrong on the on the uh the the website there, and I was like, oh crap, it was like a minute before we were supposed to get on. I'm like, run upstairs real quick, edit, 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 and I didn't catch that. The dude, the people have been level. watching me for years get it wrong. And yeah. when I look at more people search for Seth Bike Hacks in you on YouTube than Seth's bike hacks. Yeah. More people search for the wrong <laughs> one than the right one. So, so it's all you, about the name. The name's the one thing you would have changed. So, so being with like the the letters that are in Seth's bike hacks, can you imagine reading that domain name to somebody on the phone when you're trying to give them your email address? Yeah, it's a pain. I'm like S like Sam, <laughs> T like Tomish. Like every single letter in it sounds like another letter. So yeah. on the phone, anytime somebody's like. Can I have your email address? And I'm like, it'll be easier if if you just give me yours and you just reply to it. Like yeah. it's a constant battle. And I've spoken to people who say, hey, I didn't watch your channel at first because it sounded like it was going to be something stupid, like Seth's bike hacks. Right. And now it would be better off being like Seth's backyard or Seth's garage or something like that. But right. like, I don't know what would happen if I did that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, point, you and, and I feel like Burn Peak is actually a stronger brand than yeah, Seth's yeah. Bike Hacks. I put a lot of time into coming up with Biker. And um, it's similar, though, like, because I wanted something, I, I had web experience like you. So I'm like, I know finding a good domain is tough. That's a big part of it. I knew I wanted to do the marketing part and I wanted to have a slogan that went along with it. And the Biker came i was like what's a good slogan i'm gonna spell it with a one so it, i can get a shorter domain and then i'll make that that you know that tagline it only takes a bike to be a bike still insane that you got that domain yeah right so like um but instead now everybody calls me everything but biker it's like b1 cur it's like biker one biker b1 b1 biker like it's a million things and it's funny i start every video out with like What's up, YouTube? This is Robert, and this is the <laughs> channel. You know, it's like it's funny though. I, I think I don't think so. I think the point of what I'm saying is that no matter what, people are gonna screw it up. <laughs> totally. It is totally. It totally is what it is. Um, I don't really, I don't really proceed kind of nickel and diming my decisions yeah. and worrying about how I did something as long as it's working now yeah. because. There, if I would have agonized over every decision I've made over the last five years, uh, I don't know where I would be. I guess I would be where I was at three years ago. Right. You know, it just takes too much time to agonize over decisions. So I just kind of move forward. I just come up, decide something, stick to it, and move forward. And that's yeah, it. later I'm going to punch myself in the face at least three or four times for not having your name right on the screen. That was my chance. I was going to be yeah, famous. <laughs> most people get it wrong. Then I, that's why Family I members get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you had your stuff together. So um, <laughs> you have the, the, these two channels now. Um, how, how is that juggling the two of them? Well, we have a workflow, so it's working pretty well. 
Curtis is working from home now. That has absolutely decimated my free time. Yeah. He used to help filming in everything. I would have him on six days a week right now. Yeah. And he's working from home. So he comes here once a week to pick up. He goes into the garage and he picks up the footage. Yeah, and yeah. he goes and does everything from home. We're doing it remotely. And he's uploading things for me to look at. And it's like. We had we had his whole computer set up over there with the raid and everything. Now he's got the raid back at his, his house, and it's like when when we had our whole routine going, it was working great. Now it's a little tough, and like I said, I work set. I actually work seven days a week, yeah. and so it's tiring. This lap yeah. on Friday, I didn't post a Seth's bike hacks video. I was burnt out. Yeah, and one of the reasons that we started Burn Peak Express. Because obviously I'm going to have to work. I didn't have any free time before we started that. And now I really don't. So I knew what I was getting myself into. I said, if I have two channels and I have all this content coming out and Burn Peak Express actually takes up way less of my time. Mm -hmm. I just have to come up with an idea, prepare for it and execute it. And then it's pretty much Curtis. Curtis mm -hmm. sends me one take. I go through it and I come up with notes of things to change. Hey, we should really include this. That was a shot of a bottom bracket, not a headset, you know, things like that. And then uh, it doesn't take a tremendous amount of my time. So if I can't post a video on set spike hacks, at least my most devoted subscribers get something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we had to clock a couple of, like save up a couple of Burn Peak Express videos in mm -hmm. advance so we could both go on vacation or something mm -hmm. and still post them every week, we could do that. That's impossible to do with a Seth's Bike Hacks video. There's mm -hmm. no way I can make two of them in a week. It just, yeah. there is not, we'd have to slow the earth's rotation for it to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Good yeah. God, I just had a, this great question. It was amazing. You, you wouldn't believe how good it was, and man, I forgot it. <laughs> Maybe like, it'll pop up. Yeah, who knows, man. I got like the, the attention span of like a, crackhead or something like that just all <laughs> over the place um let's see here so man i don't know what just happened there. so before before i came to do the podcast here i we were actually we were using the golden hour light so when we're filming like today was super sunny out there's there not not a cloud in the sky so mm -hmm. after about 10 10 30 in the morning it's useless. There's nothing you can do. You can't shoot. You mm -hmm. literally can't. In California, you could. In in Nevada, you could. But yeah. in here in the woods, you can't. And you always see like you look up YouTube videos like how to shoot in bright sun. And every single tutorial is like out in a parking lot, someplace where there's no shadows. And it's like you're just trying to put reflectors on people's faces. And mm -hmm. there are no tutorials on how to shoot in the woods when it's really sunny out. You know why? Because, <laughs> because you can't. Yeah. So <laughs> it's you literally you go back and look the footage and you're like, I can't, I can't yeah. use this. Yeah, so, that's funny because out here in California, like we struggle with that because I'll be in the woods and out of the woods and in the woods and out of the woods. And it's like you have these like really bright sections where the sun's coming through and shining on the trail. It's just like it doesn't make really pretty footage. And it, it's no. like I look at those guys riding up there and like bellingham and it's like man it's just like perfect to film in there all the time and it's funny because that's actually part of the question that i was gonna ask you that i that i, I dropped the ball on a minute ago was 
is there a video that you've really, really wanted to make and it just doesn't work out? Because for me, I've filmed a night ride video like 10 times. And if at best, it, like the rough cut made it onto my Patreon and I was like, screw it, that's all I'm doing. Like I can't, can't pull it together. And it's like, I don't know how to get the story right or like the filming <laughs> sucks because the color's not good or you can't, you know what I mean? So is there one totally. for you? I mean, I've made a couple of night ride videos and one of them did really well, the one with the lights and the other one didn't do great. But uh, video that I, there are videos that I really want to make that I haven't been able to do, but I can't think of anything, any of them yeah. right now. Like, no, I, uh, I was there, really there are videos in like Europe and around the world that I would like to do, but it's like, it would be such I would go bankrupt even do like even doing one of them because it's like, I can't make my money back. I can't, there's no way I could go overseas and make my money back because I would have to not post a video the week before. So I've missed an entire week of posting videos mm -hmm. and I have to spend the money to go out somewhere to do it. And yeah. then nobody's going to watch it. Cause anytime I post a travel video, it gets zero view. It gets like no, no views whatsoever, except for I've had a couple Whistler videos that have done good. But as soon as somebody sees that I was somewhere besides my backyard, they just don't watch it. And yeah. so I would just, I could do it for myself, but if I'm going to do it for myself, I want to just take the week off and enjoy it and yeah, not just enjoy it. Yeah. I hear you. Because if I were to go someplace and make a video, it'd be two full days of traveling, three full days of editing. And then maybe I'll get two days actually riding and filming yeah. the entire time. So people are like, Oh, you were in Wales. Did you ride such and such a place? And it's like, no, dude, of course not. I ran one place and I rode one <laughs> yeah, yeah. the whole time, and then I had to go home. Yeah. So well, people don't think about like people don't understand. That? People don't understand the filming process to like make a video. Like they think you just put on a GoPro, you go out there, you ride for forty-five minutes, and then you got a video. No. You know, and everybody like, would have two million subscribers. That's all you have. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely a lot of work that's going into it. I mean, even whenever like. Like the other day we were watching some some show, the, the lady was watching some cooking show and it's like, they're doing it from home. And for me, I'm like, who's holding the camera? I wonder if they have a light guy there. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like to her, she was just like, oh, this chick's cooking in her backyard. And I'm like, there's more going on here than than what it seems. You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. is there a sound guy? Is there a guy? You know what I mean? And like, like you look at certain mountain bike videos, you're like, dude, that guy had to walk up that hill like probably 10 times to get those four different angles to come down that hill once. Cause I know he didn't carry six cameras out there. You know? I mean, you ever have a friend who says you're like, okay, I'm coming over your house. All right. When are you going to be here? I'll be there in 10 minutes. And then it takes him an hour to get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so there are people with that mindset who watch my videos and they're like, why did that take you so long to do? Cause they are remembering the time that they did a rake and ride and there were yeah. no rhododendrons in the way and they didn't have to film it and they didn't have to carry any supplies <laughs> down. And they said it took them two hours, but it actually took them six. Right, and they're right. not really looking realistically how long things actually take when you actually execute them. And yeah. they're thinking what it would be in the best case scenario if you didn't have to film it. And then they're actually taking some time off of that. So yeah it's crazy funny, funny funny how that goes so we're like yeah. really close to two hours here man and i can't tell you how much i appreciate that, that you've taken the time to sit down and chat with me because um, i know i was chasing you around for a couple of years before you finally <laughs> said yes so um before we go 
what would be the kind of advice that you would give to somebody that's, you know, some, somebody out there that's thinking about, about starting a channel and how they would go about it. Think long and hard about sustainability. How are you going to do this every week? Because consistency is the most important thing on YouTube. If you can post a video every single week, they will automatically get better and better and better because you're going to get more and more practice and you're going to get more and more feedback from your audience. You're going to learn more and more things. So if all you do is just make a video every week, you will eventually succeed at it. So the most important thing is figuring out how you're going to make content every single week. Mm -hmm. If you can't figure out a way where that's realistically going to work, unfortunately, you've already failed. Mm -hmm. So that's it. You think Come up key, with something you can repeat. Key to be every week then. Don't, you know, like, don't build a different feature in your backyard, a different mountain bike feature in your backyard every week because there's no way anybody could keep doing that every single week. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you there, man. Well, like I said, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to real quick here just let everybody know that if you've made it the whole way through this next week, is going to be Sunday at 5 p.m. again. And I'm going to have Alex from Single Track Sampler on. It's going to be pretty fun. He was on my second episode of season one. So I thought that was pretty exciting to have him come back. Um, I'm just going to real quick throw up that biker bar baller uh, Project 321 code because if you want to save 10% off of buying some hubs, you should probably do that. Otherwise, uh, swing by Tasco and... Um, check out those new shorts because they're they're pretty pretty comfortable i've been wearing them all day and i'm not over it yet so <laughs> apparently they're they're doing something right uh the last thing and just so that you guys can keep this in, in mind this is a biker bar and that's part of the biker channel so there there's definitely something that needs to be said it only takes a bike to be a biker so get out and be one <laughs> thanks Seth. thanks robert <laughs>